Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dental Parents Unite podcast with Sujai Johnston and Vivek Patel. I am Sujai Johnston, and I'm here with my wonderful friend and colleague, Vivek Patel, who has been on fire lately. Vivek is out there getting heard. He's at all these amazing workshops and um, been invited to a bunch of other folks' podcasts and just a bunch of really amazing stuff going on in your life. Good morning, Vivek. How are you today? Welcome. Hi, Sujai. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here with you again. I love doing these podcasts with you. And you're right, I have been on fire lately. It's kind of exciting. I, uh, I just recently got a chance to present at the Pandemic Parenting Conference put on by StopSpanking.org, and that went really well. And there were some really great uh, speakers in that, in that conference. And I've gotten a chance to speak in a few podcasts. And the next thing that, and I did a, um, a, a, a workshop yesterday on power struggles. And, mm. uh, and that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about today, because I think it's such an intense thing that happens in parents and kids' lives, you know, and it creates so much disconnection and it wears on the mental and emotional health and the relational health of the whole family. So I'm um, having a good idea about what power struggles are and how we can, uh, what the damage is and how we can work with them, I think is, uh, is really useful. Yes. Oh, power struggles are so damaging to a relationship. And, and, you know, I find that the most difficult dynamic of a power struggle is it's really hard to step back and step out of it because you're kind of, there's so much fear that if you step back and step out of the power struggle that you're going to get hurt. Yeah, for sure. And you know that when when uh, when we're in the midst of a power struggle, there are valid emotional needs that we're trying to get met. That's why we're doing it. You know, it's not like we're just mean parents, and even though it seems that way. But there's real deep stuff happening underneath the surface for us and for our kids. For us, we're trying to get a sense of um, of control in our lives. Uh, maybe we're trying to protect our safety or someone else's safety, and there's fear associated with that. And the fear makes us act. Uh, more harshly or rashly than we would want to. Um, maybe we're feeling like we want uh, to be more respected by our kids, uh, more valued by them, more gratitude. You know, it's like I do all this for you, and and then I and then you talk to me that way, or you won't even do a simple thing for me. You won't help around the house, and it can be very frustrating because we want our kids to cooperate and we want to ease in our relationship, and we can get very frustrated by those things. And so when we have these deep needs. And we're in a power struggle moment. It's the, one of the reasons it's hard to let go of because we're afraid those needs aren't going to get met. But what we don't really realize once we get into that state is we're actually doing the opposite of meeting those needs. We're not meeting those needs that way because a power struggle never meets our needs, right? And so we always end up feeling worse at the end. And that's why, like you said, how, uh, you know, stepping out of it is so important. Um, but the thing is, you know, in our... Uh, you know, we're reacting from these deep needs because in our, we have things stored in our, our body and our brains from childhood, from difficult experiences as adults. We have trauma and we have fear and we have reactions built into our nervous system. When we respond from these things, from fears and from pain, um, we aren't present with our kids in that moment. We're operating from patterns of that moment, right? And so when we're operating from a pattern, we're not operating in a real connected human relationship with our kids in that moment. And, and when we're struggling with them, they really need our wise, centered, compassionate guidance. They don't need us, you know, we don't, they don't, if they're like, if you're in a, a power struggle with a four-year-old and your inner four-year-old is um, activated and fighting with your actual four-year-old, then you have two four-year-olds fighting each other. And that's a lot of the time where power struggles come from. As opposed to having a wise, centered, you know, emotionally mature adult, which none of us are, but we try and be a wise, centered, emotionally mature adult guiding the child. This wait, is a whole none of thing. us? Speak What's for that? yourself. I said, <laughs> wait, none of us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all have aspects of that and we can all draw on it. But, oh, it's, it's a lifelong process to be emotionally centered, right? That's why we, we, we work so hard. I mean, I've been... Uh, I've been doing conscious parenting, gentle parenting for 20, just over 24 years. My daughter just turned 24 a few days ago. Happy birthday, kiddo. Happy and, birthday, uh, Pete. She's the best, right? 
Yes, she is absolutely the best. She yeah. is amazing. Yeah, and she's excited to come on the podcast again, by the way. Well, we need to do that this week. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, it's her birth. It's just after her birthday week, so she'll be into it. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. I very much look forward to it. Same, my friend. Same. She has so much wisdom to share. Mm-hmm. And and you know, uh, I've been practicing, like I said, I've been practicing for just over 24 years as a as a gentle parent. And I still have to watch my emotions all the time. And I still have to watch my reactions all the time because, um, you know, just knowing that we operate from uh, a lot of a lot of what we do is operating from our our past programming. Just knowing it doesn't change it. Right. It still requires undoing. It still requires rewriting new patterns. It still requires a certain kind of healing that we do. Um, There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, we were talking about that on yesterday's group call over on our um support service space yesterday and how so many folk get to this place where they know all of this stuff in theory they understand all of the philosophies and they want to apply it and yet in the moment they really struggle with that and um, they begin to feel broken because they're unable to put it into play the way that you know it's, it's so much easier in theory than in practice right um, I really like to encourage people, though, because um, once we get all of the theory and we really want to put it into practice, it is still hard because our brain neurons are firing down those old pathways, yet we're right on the edge of a major breakthrough once we get to that place. And it, it can be really hard when you're in that place and you can't quite do it yet and you're wondering why and you're thinking, gosh, I'll just never be able to do it if I just can't do it. And um, with just a little bit of perseverance at that point, you can really have giant breakthroughs to the other side of having a lot more um, personal understanding and control over your own responses and reactions. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, uh, and you know, the uh, understanding ourselves is so, so important. And then understanding our kids' experience is so important as well, right? Mm-hmm. When kids get involved in power struggles they can really dig their heels in right and and uh and then it's a it's a real battle and kids are doing the same thing as as us adults are they're trying to meet deep needs and they're responding from uh things inside of themselves right so they're seeking freedom and control and kids experience a lot of uh, a lack of control in their life a lack of autonomy in their life they're protecting their autonomy a lot of the time even sometimes kids will get involved in power struggles, even in things that aren't that important to them. And it's a, it, parents are scratching their heads, like, why so much defiance? Why so much resistance? And a lot of the time, it's because, like I said, they're trying to protect a sense of themselves, a sense of their autonomy, a sense of their consent. I also want to add that it's not quite that clear cut. Um, Tell me what you mean. For example... I oftentimes like to put things into real life examples of things because uh, it's just easier to like really understand it if it's not quite as abstract. Um, sometimes, sometimes our children are pushing back against things because they have a deep internal struggle that we don't understand. And I'm going to put this into a less abstract Um, into a less abstract format by telling a little story. So um, my 17-year-old is autistic, something that I didn't know until he was almost 14 years old. It was just a few weeks before his 14th birthday that he got his diagnosis. And it it came rather as a surprise. Um, You know, he and I, his entire life, had... A power struggle around shoes and um you know i felt that it was really important especially because we live in the far north you know it snows out and stuff like that and here's this kid that wants to run around in snowbanks without shoes on and i felt that it was very important that he be wearing shoes like you know um i don't want his toes to fall off and plus people are going to look at me and go wow this is a really neglectful parent And I would get him to him with the power struggle over the shoes constantly. And um, there is actually a story about a shoe power struggle over in Gentle Parents Unite, the big group. 
<laughs> which is a great story to go and read. But right now I'm going to talk about a different story over the shoe power struggle, which was ongoing and it was continuous and it ended in, you know, him laying on the floor crying and us not going places because it didn't seem right and all of this different stuff. And, you know, one day I remember so specifically, we're going to the theme park, <laughs> the biggest theme park in the Pacific Northwest, Silverwood. And we're going there and it's, you know, he wants to go. Of course he wants to go. We're going to the theme park, right? <laughs> right, right. So here's this kid and he is laying on the ground, melting down about shoes. And we can't get in the car. Everybody's waiting to leave. You know, we're going with a couple other people. And so there's, you know, a couple carloads of people sitting in the driveway waiting to go. And he's laying on the, I'm not going because I don't want those shoes, you know. Right. And can't right. find the right shoes and like this giant power struggle. And I'm like, why is it with you that everything's a power struggle? We're going to have fun. We're going to have a good day. I don't get this makes no sense. Like here I am trying to do something nice and you're laying on the ground crying. Well, you know, um, <laughs> which it, it's frustrating for everybody involved, right? Um, he was probably about seven or eight at the time, you know, um, finally, we found the right shoes and we were able to go to the theme park and have a good day after we got out the door. Actually, I think this was a really long time ago. I actually think I had to finally eventually, because there was all these people waiting, I think I had to eventually go buy him a pair of shoes that he would wear. And I was really angry about it because I felt like here I am and now I got to go spend some more money and ugh. and then come to find out later. And, you know, we have this ongoing power struggle about shoes for 13 years, <laughs> you know, and I was adjusting to it. I was noting that there were certain shoes that he just didn't like very much and things like that. And sometimes he'd want to buy shoes and then he wouldn't wear them. And I'd be really frustrated about that too. I'm like, oh, why did I just go spend all this money? And now you won't wear them because he liked the way they looked, but he didn't like the way that they felt. And I didn't understand that on that deep fundamental level that he had a sensory issue and the biggest part of his sensory issue has always been around his feet and um so sometimes when we're getting into power struggles and sometimes we get really self-righteous we're like i'm spending all this money i'm doing fun stuff for you <laughs> right but we're missing that thing that, you know, we recorded a podcast about this a while back, you and I, we're missing that thing that you call the third option. There's always a third option. And that third option was to lean in past the power struggle, past the self-righteous, ah, I'm spending so much money and trying to have a good time with you, past all of that, and really seeing the problem and the issue and helping to work with that issue so that we could all experience a better quality of going places without it being a giant meltdown because those shoes were so uncomfortable for the poor kid. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I get a little soapboxy about that. <laughs> well, it's your lived experience, my friend. So it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I actually do have on my list of kids' um, needs and feelings, I have overstimulation and sensory overstimulation, um, mental, emotional overstimulation, and, uh, and as well as feelings of you know, fear and loss, grief and, and embarrassment and shame too, right? These are things mm -hmm. that, that cause kids to close up as well. Right, and yes. I think it's important if there's a deeper struggle like that that we're... Um, that we're becoming aware or looking to become aware. And even if our child doesn't have, let's say, you know, like in a diagnosis of autism where they have an extreme sensory type of a thing going on, everybody yeah. has their senses kind of, you know, our senses are designed to take in our environment around us and everybody can feel sensory overload and sensory overwhelm. Right. Everyone can feel discomfort from a certain type of a material or, you know, a certain style of shoe that pinches their toes or something like that. And yeah. So being aware of a deeper struggle and making adjustments around it is so big and important. And I just, 
it's important for me to put it out there that way. Like, you know, really, and and we don't have to label it and diagnose it and call it this or that or the other. And, and it doesn't matter if any of that stuff is present, we can still make adjustments around what our child is telling us they're feeling. Yeah, exactly. Because if we take them seriously, if we take what they're saying seriously, rather than kind of brush it off, then we work with whatever their whatever their uh, whatever their situation is, whatever whatever they are giving us, you know. Because mm-hmm. in those moments of uh, of struggle, when they start to push back against us, we can take it as a battle that we need to win, or we can take it as a learning opportunity. And this is the thing: when we take uh, when we take those moments as learning opportunities, whether it's us learning about them, or them learning about them, or us learning about each other, or us learning about something together. Um, but it's a learning opportunity. It's a relationship opportunity. It's an opportunity to slow down and connect because there's so much, uh, there's so much available to us in those kind of moments, right? We, I often talk about using power struggles to help our kids feel powerful rather than power empty. And I really like that idea of powerful versus power empty. And a lot of the time when we engage in power struggles with our kids, uh, unconsciously, our goal is to make them feel power empty. And not that we would ever do that consciously. We don't want our kids to feel power empty. We want them to feel powerful. But in those moments when we're fighting back and forth, that's not what we're thinking. <laughs> so it really changes in this moment. If I stop and I ask myself, how can I help my kid feel powerful in this moment? Empowered is another way of saying it. How can I help my kid feel empowered in this moment? It really changes. It's different than saying, how can I help my kid get their shoes on? How can I make my kid get their shoes on, right? Um, or eat this or sleep then or brush this or pick that up or do this work or go to this place. But if I think, how can I help my kid feel empowered in this moment? How can I help them understand their own boundaries and, and that I respect their boundaries? How can we deepen our communication? How can I help them feel that I respect their autonomy? How can I address their feelings and their needs? Like these kind of, co- these kind of questions when we ask them, um, they are really powerful for us because they're so, it really changes our mindset around dealing with our kids when they're digging their heels in, right? Because it feels like they dig their heels in, so we have to dig our heels in deeper, and then they dig them in deeper, but we're bigger, so eventually we're going to dig our heels in all the way. <laughs> and, and this is the thing about power struggles with, with us as parents is because we have so much power over our kids. You know, this is something we can easily forget in our day-to-day life with our kids is that we have so much power over our kids. And a lot of this power is systemic too. Systemic means my saying for, uh, for systemic power is it's power you didn't choose and power you can't refuse. So we didn't really choose to have power over our kids. You know, like when I, what I mean by that is they can't make money. I have money. So I have financial power over them. I didn't choose that. That's just kind of the way the world works. A two-year-old can't get a job. Um, I'm stronger than them because it, you know, my, my 10 year old is small, so I can put them in their room and there's a thing they can do. And I have legal, I have uh, system, it's systemic also because I have law backing me up and, uh, and I can force them to force them to do or not do all sorts of things. And kids know that they live in this kind of an environment, even parents who actively uh, work against using their systemic power, it still exists. And so kids are watching us how we relate to it. So if they're used to us working with our power and using our power to control them, then they're going to, obviously they're going to want to push back, you know? And then if they have, like you said, if they have like uh, multiple reasons for why they're pushing, uh, why they're pushing back, this just add, uh, adds to it. And when right. this happens- and, and another thing that's good to put out there is the way that, so as a parent, when we're trying to gain control of a situation and we want our child to do ABC, XYZ, whatever it is, right? Um, some children, you know, it's, it's really important to take into account the personality type of your children. Some children have fairly easygoing, compliant, um, not really, you know, kind of a pushback type of a personality. And, um, a lot of times if you use your power in an aggressive way, if you growl at them or you snap at them or you yell at them, they be quickly become compliant. And um, there's this other personality type that, you know, borders on demand avoidance. 
it's pathological de demand avoidance. And then there's the other one, which is um, oppositional defiance disorder. You know, but it's also, it's kind of a, I, I'm, I don't prefer those terms. And I actually think that, you know, um, being this demand avoidant and oppositionally defiant, I think they're really powerful personality traits. They really make for great activists and people who stand up against oppression and repression, yeah. like really can be really powerful people. Yeah. But as a parent, if you're raising somebody who, um, you know, if you snap, growl, yell, something like that, they do it back and they puff up their chests and they try and make themselves look bigger and they'll get right back into it with you because that's a personality type as well and then of course because not everybody's the same we have the full spectrum of people you know some people are sometimes compliant and sometimes they stand up and they'll yell back in your face right but even this whole power struggle thing it's really important to know that when you're getting into a power struggle with your children and if they have any of this like oppositional defiance, which again, I really don't like labeling it that way. <clears throat> I do think it helps us to understand a little better, like kind of what we're dealing with and what kind of a um, personality type of the person that we're dealing with is. Um, but it's, it's kind of, it's interesting to recognize that the way that these power struggle goes and the way that like, and whether we do it consciously or not, they're like control plays when we growl at kids or we puff up and act aggressive towards them or any of those things. Those are power plays so that we can remain dominant in this relationship, right? And For it's sure. not as if parents do that consciously. It's not like they're like, I'm going to growl at my kid so I can look like I'm the dominant in this relationship. And yet it's part sounds like of... A, sounds like a pack of wolves when you uh, when you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too different really <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a conscious thing where people are like i just need to maintain the power they just really haven't like looked at this and broken it down a whole lot but the reason that i am a gentle parent that i did all this work that i got my education that i am where i am today is because i have one of those children that actually has one of these diagnoses <laughs> mm -hmm. and he's not just a little oppositionally defiant or you know um it's like this kid will push back against everything and <laughs> like i was talking about the incident we're going to the theme park and he's pushing back <laughs> so i had to learn I had to learn that when you are dealing with somebody who doesn't want to be told what to do, when you tell them what to do, they're going to power struggle you every single time, even if they want to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I, I have found in the last... 11 12 years since i began this journey that the only way to navigate these power struggles in a healthy way is to lean past and it's really interesting and i know we've talked about this before and i know that there's a lot of fear for our listeners around this but when we put the relationship first we lean past everything else we let everything else go all we care about is the relationship and i know i know all of us overburdened people go hell no everything is going to fall on me then and i am already overburdened and it, it could for a minute it's true but as the healing happens and the relationships begin to heal and everything like there's something on the other side that's what we're talking about, the, the collaboration, the intrinsic motivation, the deep relationships, the coexisting in peaceful ways, you know. Um, we are, as adults, 
manipulated by society to do certain things in order to succeed in life. And because of that, we're also manipulating our children through the societal hoops so that they can do the things that need to happen to make everything happen. And we're, you know, it's really unfortunate place we're at where we're feeling pushed through work and school and running around and a billion and one things to do. And we're dragging our children behind us and everybody's max stressed out. Nobody's really feeling great. And everybody's just like on these external agendas. And it's like, it's a really difficult place to function for us adults. And if we take a minute and really stop and think about our children and the way that we're just like dragging them along in our agendas. And, you know, you were saying earlier, you're like, you know, if we want to have them pick that thing up or do this thing or do that. And I'm like, wow, you know, it's like, and we need to micromanage our children's actions all day long. Eat this, do this, go here, do that, you know, come here, pick that up. And um, I think that that's, each of those things that we're doing, they're breaking that connection in the relationship. They're pushing us farther from that intrinsic motivation. And we're often not on a level with our kids where we're like, you know, really explaining to them how, I don't know how to put this in quite the right words. It seems like, you know, when we tell our kids about the things that we have to do and stuff, we're not we're not really coming from a place, you know, we, where we're being completely empathetic because we don't feel completely, you know, like a ton of joy or happiness or any of that around it. And so it can be kind of hard for us to, you know, it's like, yeah, we're just, we got to go to school and that's how it is. And we try and explain it because we're gentle parents and we try and get deeper into it and explain it in deeper ways and it's still really hard because we're choking up against all these walls of societal stuff that make it so that, you know, there's not a whole lot of other option for any of us. And so yeah. it's hard to find empathy for each other in that place as we're being drawn around on this agenda. And then um, it's doing the exact opposite of what we hoped it's pushing us away from the relationship but it's pushing us away from the kind of relationship where we can have the intrinsic connection where you know we're really based off of that relationship and that relationship comes first and then all of that collaboration and cooperation and everything we seek and the way that our lives are set up, are basically set up to push against that and make it really hard to find that place. Yeah, and there's so much damage that happens with these power struggles, just like you said, you know, it's, um, there's a damage in our, our relationship with us, a damage in our relationship with our, with our kids with themselves, right? And they also, when we, when we do engage in those and, um, and, and struggle with them on a regular basis, it also sets them up for future relationships because they're learning you know, unhealthy communication patterns and unhealthy relationship with power and unhealthy relations, so many unhealthy relationships, unfortunately, you know, um, when, uh, and we forget a lot of the time when we're involved in those kind of things, we get so focused on the moment, we forget the, the that we're modeling in that moment. We forget that we're, um, you know, forming our relationship with our kids in that moment. We forget that we're informing them about who we are and how they can be with us. And how they vulnerable they can be with us in those moments. You know, I when my kid was born, I had this very clear image come to me of her being 16 years old, being at a party. Everyone at the party is drinking, doing drugs, and having sex in the bedrooms because the parents are are away. And uh, and you know, I didn't know she was going to be there. And everybody that's uh, every every and it's over and everybody's safe or whatever. But now it's time to go home, and the only way she can get home is getting in the car with a drunk driver because everyone's drunk. And, and I had this thing in my head, what I want to parent her in such a way that when she's 16 and in this situation, she will call me without hesitation. Actually, she'll be happy to call me. And that's just not very common. You know, when she was in high school, she would tell me that her friends would rather get in the car with that drunk driver. And she's seen them do it 
would rather get in the car with that drunk driver rather than call their parents, even if the only result would be a disappointing disapproval look from their parents. That was enough pain for them, enough disconnection for them to, to literally put their lives at risk. This is how intense these things are with young people and why, you know, why the gentle parenting path um, is so important because we, it's not like we're not guiding them. It's not like we're not helping them through difficult situations. It's not like we're not teaching them values, but we're doing it in a way that they feel safe with us, that they feel safe to be vulnerable with us. They feel safe with their mistakes, coming to us with their mistakes. One of the most beautiful things we can do as parents is create a relationship and an environment with our kids where they feel comfortable coming to us with their mistakes. And I say mistakes in quotes because mistakes are really learning opportunities, but they sure don't feel that way when they're attached to wrongness. They sure don't feel that way when they're attached to trouble, getting in trouble or um, disapproval or consequences, you know? And, uh, and I say consequences, punishment, but e and even disapproval. It's different than when you make a mistake and you come to your parent and they go, oh, you did that, eh? Let's learn from this together, kiddo. I'm here to support you. What can we, what can we do to make this better? You know, like that's a whole different thing. And, uh, and when my kid makes a mistake or even when she hurts somebody or acts out of alignment, whatever she does, there's no hesitation for her to come to me because she knows that she's not going to get in trouble. Actually, one of my... Uh, one of my, uh, what do you call it? My acronyms is YANIT, Y-A-N-I-T. And it stands for you are not in trouble. And I say that all the time to my kid, because even though she's never been in trouble, <laughs> really, <laughs> 24 years, she's never really been in trouble. Um, she sees in all of society, she sees trouble everywhere, right? Kids are always in trouble. And then it's, at work, you can get in trouble. And in school, you can get in trouble. And, uh, and so I'm always reminding her that, uh, that she's not in trouble because here at home, it's not something she's experienced. And so, and so when kids experience this, uh, this relationship where they don't get in trouble, where instead the parents are really there for them to work through stuff, then what happens is they get more trust in their parents. They feel they have to protect themselves less from us. You know, they can share their most difficult truths with us. Um, and also what happens is they're more likely to be cooperative or accepting of it when we, when we do say no to something because their experience of us is not all the time saying no. And uh, so there's a lot of really beautiful, when we put the work in to shift power struggles, and like you were saying before, it is work. It's not just like, oh, I, I, I heard a podcast on power struggles, now I won't have power struggles anymore. Um, it's really, really uh, challenging. And that's why I think it's useful to, to have a clear idea of what the damage is of power struggles and what the benefits are of, of uh, you know, working through them. Because like you, we were saying before, we're teaching kids when we, when we avoid power struggles and we communicate and we slow down and we connect with them and we really listen, it's slowing down and listening. I always say breathe, slow down, slow down, breathe and listen. I take those three things, slow down, breathe and listen. And I might even say stop <laughs> for in certain situations if it's intense enough, stop, breathe and listen. And this, this can be so powerful because then we really can tune into our kid. We can really see them as a, a young being having a, a problem that we're here to help them with, you know? And then, um, then we teach kids that they can rely on us. Um, we, help them, uh, we help them know that we're there for them, right? And it's so important. So there's so many things about our relationship with them that, uh, and their relationship with themselves that gets significantly shifted when we, know, when we shift from power struggles to guiding them with support and love and connection and acceptance and patience. And, uh, yes. and so that's so important. Absolutely. I think that's, like really at the core of the whole power struggle thing is mm. what's on the other side of a power struggle. If you let mm -hmm. go of a power struggle is on the other side of a power struggle, we have those really deep and really seeing relationships, understanding of each other and knowing of each other. And there's so much empathy and support once we can get past the push and shove. And, you know, I mentioned earlier on this podcast, um, 
it can feel really scary to step back from the push and shove. It can feel like you're going to lose control. Everything's going to spiral out of control. It can feel like, you know, you're the entire burden of everything's going to fall on you, which, you know, if you take the time to break it down, it kind of already is because you're in a power struggle and you have to, you know, fight for 30 minutes to get that thing picked up before, you know, you finally just give up on the fight and pick up the thing yourself. So a lot of times, you know, actually just modeling with joy can be that path to kind of getting past the, you know, getting things done. If that's what the power struggle is about, um, mm. the modeling with joy can be so helpful. But the thing is, is if we just, not just because it's huge, but if we can really lean into getting past the power struggle and I um I actually have a pretty like comprehensive plan for ways that people can work with power struggles and I actually really encourage people to use this technique in both their um adult and parent-child relationships I don't think that power struggles are incredibly beneficial in any relationship. <laughs> um, they, they really don't help us to see each other. And like I said, I know it can, it feels like if you step out of the power struggle, you're going to get sucked in the face and we don't want that to happen, you know, but maintaining the power struggle eventually somebody is going to get hurt. <laughs> Eventually somebody is going to have to, you know, have that strength and the, you know, overtake the other person and grr and then, um, you know, I really started evaluating power struggles and breaking them apart when um, I was going through my divorce and, or my separation and, um, my ex was taking me to court and, you know, I didn't feel that going through a big, ugly court battle was in the best interest of my children. I didn't feel like that was something that I wanted to do. I didn't, I could see the effects that it was having on the kids. And in this situation, it was like uber dangerous to step back and like <laughs> figure out a way to not be in the power struggle. And, you know, he would, he would do these things and like file these certain things. And I would, you know, of course, in fear, I'd be like, whoa, what's he doing? And, you know, want to retaliate to him. And um, as it turns out, even in this situation, you know, stepping back from it and going, hey, look, you know, I, I really don't want to fight with you. And this is not in the best interest of the kids. And finding that third option instead of, um, you know, one-upping him in the power struggle because I, I really sat with this and broke down power struggles and how I felt about it. And, you know, it did, it felt incredibly dangerous to step out of this power struggle. You know, it felt like I was making myself incredibly vulnerable. Um, and it can be. Jai, let me, let me just jump yeah. in for a second and, uh, and um, just add to that because, you know, when we, uh, when we're in that moment where it feels dangerous, what, ha what happens to us is we end up in a, a panic response or a trauma response or a danger mm -hmm. response, right? So Absolutely. then we have, yeah. And then we have, we enter like into a fight, flight, freeze, and all the other ones that, that are added to it these days. And, mm. uh, and we end up in these situations where our more animal brain comes online and takes over. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so it's being able to interrupt that pattern in the moment and not be controlled by it. That could be a huge thing and that is exactly where i'm going with this too is you know um in the moment if we can interrupt the script and we'll notice you know um be that be that in our adult relationships where we're trying to one-up each other like in the kind of a situation that i was just explaining you know and it i was going to get to the end of that by saying that it is dangerous just to step out of it. And when I'm dealing with somebody like that, who can be really volatile and dangerous and all of that, that or um, emotionally 
dangerous and they're um not physically but you know there was a lot of reasons why i wasn't a completely safe situation but there's that third option right and i want to bring that up again because while on one hand i didn't want to be going through court with the guy and having a big battle with him i also did want to have on paper what we're doing so that our children could be parented without having any power struggles around the parenting and that was a really important thing and that third option instead of going to court was to sit down with him and be like yeah you hit me really hard and i can hit you really hard back and this is ridiculous let's not do this and then we could we went to a moderator we had you know the papers drawn up legally we were able to talk you know we stepped out of the power struggle but it did take me stepping out of the power struggle and looking for that third option which doesn't mean that we just give up it doesn't mean because just giving up would have literally you know it would have been devastating and and so i want to put that out there when we're thinking about like stepping out of a power struggle it doesn't just mean like you just roll over and let somebody just steamroll over you and you know harm you more that's not what it means what it means is that we look for that third option and we find a different way and we we lean into the skills that we have the communication skills the relational skills all of this stuff that we're working together to build over here in our becoming gentle um space our our support service and um so the technique that i have for stepping out of power struggles is you know for example let's say around bedtime every single night <laughs> bedtime starts rolling around and you go oh gosh yeah my kids are gonna fight this and the kids go they're you know, feeling it get dark out right like, oh, the tension the tension begins before it even starts happening right <laughs> right yeah the kids are looking outside going oh gosh it must be getting close to bedtime mom's gonna be coming at me soon right <laughs> I'll be right there, baby. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Um, and so this tension is building and we think we know exactly how it's going to go. And they think they know exactly how it's going to go. So we have like a preordained daily power struggle that everybody can feel building before it even gets there. It's like the silent right. tension. <laughs> right. The pattern is the pattern is set. Right. It's very set. It's so set that like not only can everybody feel it building and everything, but when it comes, it plays out on a script. Mm. Every time. Mm. And everybody plays their part like you're at a theater watching actors acting like <laughs> every day you do your part they do their part and every day you have the same thing that goes on and you know it can happen a lot in our adult relationships as well where we get into power struggles over something you know over the housekeeping or the kids or whatever it is and we get these same things that they literally seem like they play out on a, almost on a script and they get to a certain point and then everything deteriorates every single time so what we can do if we notice that we have a cycle like this in our home whether it's around you know chores whether it's around bedtime whether it's around whatever it is that we notice that we have cycles like this we stand back much in the way that I was describing when I was going through the court system with my ex. And we stand back and we really, really evaluate this thing. And, you know, we look at it, we look at every aspect of it. And then when we see <laughs> this thing coming again, here it comes. It's like this train coming down the tracks, chug a chug a chug. <laughs> You're like, okay, what am I gonna do? Crumble up that script and throw it away. Do something so different, a hundred percent different. Just change your very everything, and it can be funny, it can be serious, it can be whatever. But just do it different. Just be like, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm, yeah. And, and you can have a plan so you're not just letting go to get, you know, proverbially punched in the face because you stepped right. out of the power struggle. 
Right, right. You can be looking at a third option because you've already thought about it. You're like, okay, this thing's going to come. How am I going to do something different than I have been doing? Because you can't control anybody else in that power struggle, in Mm. that cycle, Mm. except for yourself. Yeah. I call it pattern interruption, Sujai. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I think it's such an important and uh, powerful thing to for us to get good at because, like you said, this when the, once the script uh, once the script gets going, uh, it's really hard. It's really hard to step away from it, you know, and uh, and so I think that's really uh, I think that's really uh, an important thing that you brought up, and I love that you're bringing up the third option um, so many times today because we can get stuck in that false. Uh, dichotomy right and then it's really hard for us to think of that third option and the pattern interruption is definitely a third option you know like you said just suddenly shift the energy we can shift that when we're shifting that energy we can shift the energy up or down so we can shift it up meaning maybe we can like well i was talking about this in the in the workshop yesterday too we can like suddenly jump up on the couch and start singing a song with our arms held up high or we can start running around the apartment imagining we're chasing monsters or just like something like completely wild to completely shift the energy even if it's mid-sentence what i what i what i what i think about is if i notice myself caught in a power struggle because sometimes we get in 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 those scripts that we don't notice but if you have that moment of self-awareness i call it the glimpse if you have that moment of self-awareness then you can use that moment to make a choice it's hard as hell because the script has so much power and we're so afraid of it of, of, of stepping off it but once you make the commitment to yourself, when you notice it, you can do that, uh, you can do that uh, pattern interruption. Because it's hard to go from that all of a sudden to like, I'm a composed sage parent giving wise <laughs> advice. So the pattern interruption is kind of like a, um, a transition between that. It helps us get us out of the pattern we're in, shake everything up, kind of like shaking up a, a jar of glitter where it all swirls around and then it settles into a new pattern. And then we choose the new pattern. So you can either go big, running, laughing, singing, jumping. You can go suddenly small and quiet, like you just suddenly sit down and just and just sit quietly and smile at your kid. And even if even if it just means standing still and shutting your mouth, it's better sometimes than the very next thing you were going to say, which was going to make things a lot worse. And even if your kid thinks you're weird because you're suddenly quiet, and 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 even biting your own tongue. I often say biting our tongue is one of the most important parenting uh, strategies. And I only have 7% of my tongue left. And, uh, and so biting our tongue is really important. Oh, and also another thing is if you really need to just get the hell out. You know, when my kid was young, I had this, the urge to yell at her was so strong all the time. You know, I really fought, fought, fought that urge for, um, for, for a couple of years. And one of my strategies, I would just call it, I would just, I just named it run. And I would just run from the room. Even in mid-sentence, even mid uh, whatever we were doing, even if it would upset her a little bit, I, if I noticed myself, I would run from the room, I would go into my bedroom, and I would scream into my pillow. Or I would go uh, put cold water in my face in the bathroom. Those are my two things. And, uh, and <laughs> I, often, I often, the parents that, that we work with and support, I often tell them about this thing about running into the bedroom. And some of them are using it now and screaming into their pillows, and it's really helping. Um, but just that instinct to, get, to, um, to, to recognize that I don't want to dump this stuff on my kid, but I also don't want to repress it, right? So I call it, I call it no repression, no projection. So I don't want to repress my feelings, but I don't want to project them onto my kid. And then at that point, then I can ask, instead of like making demands, I can start asking questions. I can start tuning into their emotions. I can empathize with their feelings and their experience. Um, you know, I can, I can employ more creative problem solving. I can, I, I can say, hey, let's sit down and, figure, uh, and talk about how we can figure this out. Um, we can start to, do, we can start to take, see things from our child's perspective easier because it's so hard to see things from our child's perspective when we're in that activated state. But when we slow down um, and separate, then we can go, oh yeah, oh yeah, we can, uh, um, we, I can see things from their perspective and why, why it looks very different from the adult perspective, you know? And then it helps us move out of the right-wrong mindset, the good-bad mindset, the win-lose mindset, right? And we can instead take the, um, take the, 
what I call the iceberg consciousness. And you know, for the iceberg is a very common analogy for this kind of thing, where we have just the just the top of the iceberg um, outside of the water, but the majority of it is invisible underneath in the depths. And it's the same thing with our kids. And it's the same thing with ourselves, you know, like we have to pay attention to our own iceberg as much as our kids' iceberg. And when we do that, when we get really into the iceberg consciousness, it, when we see all the emotions and, and uh, you know, relational stuff, sensory stuff, emotional stuff, physical stuff, environmental stuff, we see all this big, all the, all the stuff that's happening underneath. And for us too, it helps us have that sense of calm I was talking about before, of self-awareness, of situational awareness, and then we can make different choices. And it won't be easy at first. It's going to be hard. It really is because changing patterns is hard, you know, but I think it's really useful for us to acknowledge that we have these patterns and then to work at changing them. And because that's what evolution, so much of our conscious evolution uh, is, is about, you know, and conscious evolution as parents is really powerful too. So I really want to encourage everyone who's listening to this to don't feel bad about power struggles. Don't feel guilty about it. It's really important to feel, to give yourself forgiveness, empathy, and compassion, and kindness. Um, I use those four because, uh, because it's funny, because when you spell it out, it spells feck. And I tell my, I'll tell the parents that we work with, I say, go feck yourself, which means give yourself forgiveness, empathy, compassion, and kindness, F-E-C-K. And, <laughs> and, and so I really, want, um, I really want to encourage you to feck yourself, Feck yourself often. Feck yourself a few times a day. Really be kind. Are you sure of it? <laughs> I know it can be tiring, but it's worth it. <laughs> I love, one of my favorite things in the world is to make you laugh, Sujai. Accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yes, yes. You're the best. <laughs> You're the best. Do you have anything you want to add about uh, power struggles before we sign off? No, oh, I definitely agree. There is no point in feeling bad about a power struggle. And I, it's so easy to get caught in a power struggle because it, if you, it feels like if you don't get caught in that power struggle, you could get severely hurt and you're trying to protect yourself. And so finding a way to step back from that power struggle, I really encourage people to, you know, look at ways they can step back from the power struggle and find the third option so that they are able to step back safely from a power struggle and, you know, feel like they're empowered to do so and not putting themselves in a position where they're incredibly vulnerable, particularly in adult relationships. Uh, um, I say this all the time. And whenever I'm talking about relational tools, I like to throw out there that, you know, there's a little bit of a difference in how we navigate these tools in adult relationships um, than in parent to child relationships because sometimes in adult relationships the power balances are quite different where in the our parent to child relationships we hold all that power um we are the ones at the top of the power hierarchy and like you said at the beginning of the call vivek that we have to interact with that power with great integrity because um our children are learning how to interact with that power when they come into the place where they're going to have that kind of systemic and um, overall power over little people. And, you know, yeah. um, so learning how to interact with our own power with our children is different sometimes than navigating relationships with other adults where oftentimes we're lower on that power hierarchy. Yeah. And so that's why I oftentimes, you know, remind people when I'm talking about dealing with, you know, certain relational tools with some adults, we have to just step back completely because we're not in a safe situation. Yeah. Um, with this particular tool, it can be really helpful full for unsafe adults it's a um, really great way to step back 
and see that third option and not be in a power struggle with somebody who is dangerous to you because, um, you know, in that kind of a power struggle, somebody generally gets hurt. And it's generally the person who holds the most systemic power that's able to, you know, hurt the person with the less systemic power, which so, you know, when we look at these power structures and break it all down, power struggles at their core, they're about control. They're about power. That's why they're called power struggles. And if we're getting into a lot of power struggles, um, it's something to evaluate, to look at, to find ways to step out of, particularly with our children. So we're not passing on this cycle of power struggles and in our adult relationships it's a really um, good healthy way to step back from somebody who could be particularly dangerous from to you by stepping back out of the power struggle enough to see that third option and taking a different route in in order to keep yourself safe from that situation so I think that's about all I've got to say. Thank you, Vivek. I love this topic. You know, it's really important. It's huge. <laughs> and yeah. it goes really core into all of the work we're doing. And when you get really deep into the work and you break things down, so much of everything is based around the concepts of power and control and systemic power and um, the way that that affects and impacts everybody within our family structure because we are a culture of um, hierarchies. Yeah. Yeah, and, pow and power, structure, power structures and power struggles exist in every facet of society, right? They exist in the school system, the financial system, the justice, justice in quotes and correctional system, the... Uh, uh, educational system. Did I say that already? The family system, the corporate, the corporate world. It's everywhere. It's every power struggles are everywhere on the media, everywhere we look. And so shifting those dynamics, you know, we're, we're pressing up against something that's pretty, uh, pretty common in society. It's uh, built into so much of what we do. And so there's another reason that I really want to celebrate the, the conscious gentle parents that are doing this work because we're pressing up against uh, behemoth, you know, of society, 10,000 years of course of history and hierarchical power structures. And, uh, and it's a big deal. And that's why fecking yourself, giving yourself forgiveness, empathy, kindness, and compassion, uh, compassion and kindness, has to spell it right, is so important. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you like feck, uh, Sujai. I highly suggest that when we finish recording, you go feck yourself. <laughs> and feck anyone around you too and uh and so yeah so thanks everybody for listening it's been really great uh spending this hour or so with you talking about power struggles please check out our big group um sujai founded this group like over seven years ago it's gentle parents unite on facebook we have over seventy thousand members and an amazing i think it's like 77 now when i joined it was 11 you know and, hey, when uh, I joined, it was like <laughs> <laughs> it was just you. <laughs> well, no, before that, you create a group, you have to add at least four people. So oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and so just search out Gentle Parents Unite on Facebook. Um, we also have a public group, Gentle Parents Unite, and Sujai and I host a, a, a membership support space, a parenting support space, which is really beautiful. We do meditations every week and group coaching calls. And we, I do a, a live class every Thursday where I go into depth around a particular parenting subject. And it's a beautiful community and we have a private Facebook group. So it's really great. I really recommend you joining us. Um, you can find us at gentleparentsunite.com slash membership. And it'll take you to the uh, sign up page. And if you want to read more of my articles and videos, because I have hundreds of articles and uh, probably about 150 videos that I've made on parenting. Um, a lot of them are in the membership space for members only, but I have probably over 70 videos on my YouTube channel at this point and a bunch more on my Facebook page. So check out my social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube at Meaningful Ideas. And uh, my blog is MeaningfulIdeas.com where I have a whole bunch of articles there too. So we love you, everyone. We care about you and your family and we believe in you. You're doing amazing work and we will see you next week. <laughs>